Brought to you by JMR Rentals. JMRNY.com. Now you can support No Rest of the Weekend by clicking the link in the description. Your donation will help us create more great content each week. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for your support. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby here with another edition of No Rest for the Weekend News. Today on the program, we've got some updates for you on some recent movie releases. And later, we'll have our review of Scream 6. But first, here's a look at some upcoming film festivals and events. First up, Film at Lincoln Center and the Museum of Modern Art will be co-hosting New Directors, New Films, which celebrates filmmakers whose bold work pushes the envelope in unexpected and striking ways representing the future of cinema. This year's selection will introduce 27 features and 11 shorts from 41 directors. La Francis Hui, curator of the Department of Film at MoMA and the festival's co-chair had this to say, this geographically diverse lineup brings together new directors from all over the world, presenting works that make bold and creative statements on everything from identity and family to political repression and post-colonial discourse. The power of cinema to inspire imagination and explore perspectives is evident in this wide range of styles, ideas, and voices. The festival is now in its 52nd year and will run from March 29th to April 9th at MoMA and Lincoln Center. For more information, visit newdirectors.org. Also coming up on April 24th, Film at Lincoln Center will present the 48th Annual Chaplin Award to Viola Davis. Previous recipients of the award include Kate Blanchett, Spike Lee, Helen Mirren, and Robert De Niro. Leslie Kleinberg, president of Film at Lincoln Center, had this to say, Viola Davis brings her tremendous skill and fierce emotional intelligence to everything she does. The range of her accomplishments is remarkable. As an actor in film, television, and theater, as a producer opening doors for new voices, and as an inspirational memoirist, she is truly a force. We are honored to dedicate an evening to celebrating her achievements and talents at the 48th Chaplin Award Gala. The award ceremony will take place on April 24th at Alice Tully Hall at Lincoln Center. For more information, visit filmlink.org. In New Orleans, the Overlook Film Festival will run from March 30th to April 2nd. According to the festival website, they are a celebration of all things horror in America's most haunted city. Each May, genre fans and cinephiles from the world over convene in the heart of the French Quarter, home to countless apparition sightings, voodoo legends, and vampire curses. The festival showcases exciting work in new and classic independent horror cinema alongside the latest interactive and live shows for a fully immersive weekend. The festival opens on March 30th with Renfield, starring Nicholas Holt and Nicholas Cage, and will close with the latest in the Evil Dead saga, Evil Dead Rise. The festival will showcase several revival screenings, including the 40th anniversary of The Dead Zone, the cult classic based on the Stephen King novel of the same name, directed by David Cronenberg, and the horror classic The Tingler, starring Vincent Price, presented in full precepto. There are also a number of special events, including secret screenings, and actor David Desmalchin will make a special appearance in his TV host persona, Dr. Bartholomew Fearless. Also making its premiere is the documentary We Kill for Love, which is a deep dive into the sultry, shadowy world of direct-to-video erotic thrillers. The film will feature Emmy-winning actor-producer Kira Reed lorsch who has appeared on this show. Sounds like a lot of fun. 
If you're a horror fan, if you're going to be in New Orleans, you want to know more. The website is overlookfilmfest.com. Looking to the West Coast now, the 66th edition of the San Francisco International Film Festival will run from April 13th to the 23rd. The festival was founded in 1957 and is the longest-running film festival in the Americas. This year, the festival will open with Stephen Curry, Underrated. Directed by Peter Nix, this documentary celebrates the iconic NBA star. For more information, their website is sffilm.org. Coming up on April 14th and 15th is the Takawa Film Festival in Takawa, Oklahoma. I recently caught up with the festival's founder and friend of the show, Mr. James Oxford. How has the festival evolved and kind of like, how did it come to be in the first place and, and what's happened since then? Yeah, how it really got started was, my God, almost 10 years ago, um, we had a short film that we were touring around film festivals with and my parents had attended one of those at a festival in Oklahoma. And it really just kind of spurred that idea of what would it be like to have a film festival back in my hometown in Oklahoma. And so there came a time about five years ago when my mother was on the Chamber of Commerce in Tonkawa, and we decided that might be a great time to have the chamber kind of help us launch that event as an event through the chamber. And so that's kind of where how it got started. Um, we just thought it would be something unique and interesting for the town. There was nothing like it. There was nothing really like it in the area. Um, we definitely have film festivals in Oklahoma, but we're not anywhere near a large city. So we're hour and a half probably from the closest city that if you did want to attend a festival. So that's where we kind of, that's that's kind of where the idea started and that's where why we chose that time to kind of kick it off. For this year, what can audiences expect to see? Like I said, the quality is, is, is or I want to say the average quality of the film just gets better and better every year. We're definitely seeing a lot of, you know, art always imitates life. And so that's what's always interesting about screening all these films when we get them each year is you can tell that there's a subject matter that is very relevant to what's going on in the world today. So we're seeing a lot of films around immigration and the things uh, that are happening there and how those things are affecting people um, in, in different ways. So we're definitely, you're gonna see things about that kind of subject matter. Um, we've gotten some, you know, and I've already gone on about it, but we have some just some really amazing um, animation uh, this year. And then the, another category that we actually added, we had had music videos in the past, but we didn't have a category for them. So this year we actually opened up and have a special category just for music videos, which is, uh, I think, fun because it is another way to tell a story. You know, we think about the music aspect of it, but then there's the visuals. Music videos have been around for, you know, decades now, but they are, can be a very artistic way to tell a story with music combined with the visuals how those visuals interpret that song they're, 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 it's really interesting it's it's an interesting art form and it's also great to see those stories from other countries because um, after the first year maybe it was the maybe the first two years um, it was just domestic um, now we do international films as well and so those have been well received so you're definitely going to see some more great documentaries um, uh, from around the world um, comedies, drama, horror. So, yeah. For people who want to find out more information, where can they find you guys online? The easiest thing is just to go to TonkawaFilmFestival.com. Um, we are on all the socials, 
It's usually Tonkwa Film is on most of the socials, um, but the website's the easiest place to start. Um, submissions are already open for next year, so they are closed for this year because we're, we're making selections as we speak, but next year's are already open. So again, short films anywhere in the world, um, 20 minutes and under. Tune in next week for the full interview with James Oxford, and for more information on the festival, visit TakawaFilmFestival.com. In May, running from the 5th to the 7th, Female Voices Rock will return as an in-person festival right here in Brooklyn at the Wyeth Hotel. According to their recent press release, festival goers will once again return to theaters to discover this year's most inspiring independent stories by women creators. In addition, in-person attendees will experience networking opportunities, workshops, industry talks, and parties. Returning after an extended hiatus, the last time the festival was in person was in 2021 when I had a chance to speak with the festival's founder, Catherine Delaloy, on the red carpet. Joining me now is Catherine Delaloy, the founder of Female Voices Rock. Catherine, you were virtual last year. How does it feel to be back here at a theater? feels absolutely amazing. It's like the best feeling ever to bring back in-person events. I feel like we've all just missed it so much, so to be able to actually be here with like a live crowd, a live audience, it's the best feeling in the world. For us too, because we were, everything was virtual last year, now we're back uh, on red carpets again. Uh, this is our last one of the year, so you're bringing oh, nice. it home, bringing it in for a landing. You were on the show before, but for those who may have missed your episode, can you give us some background on the of film course. festival, like how it started and what your mission is? Yeah, so I started the film festival because I was a filmmaker myself and I just felt like there was like a lack of opportunity for women filmmakers in the industry. So after getting very frustrated about it, I thought, you know what, I'm going to create the opportunities for everyone else. So I started the film festival in a way to promote um, women voices and it's just grown since there and we've got an amazing jury and now we're able to provide a platform that promotes female work and also creates a community where everyone feels safe to like share work and to hang out and on top of all of that, it's also become a sort of like, yeah, like I said, a community, but also a place where everyone can just go and meet friends, you know? And I think in the age of, of the pandemic, it's so important to not lose touch with people. So I'm really happy that we've been able to like connect people and make everyone feel a little less lonely as well. This year, um, you know, because of the pandemic, uh, you guys are a hybrid film festival. Can you talk a little bit kind of how that works? And also, do you see hybrid as a way for the film festival to move forward? In January, we started talking about what we were going to do, and it was still so unpredictable what was going to, what the climate would be like. So I decided, okay, we're going to do a virtual side for sure. And as the year went by, I was like, you know what, I think we can do something in person. So then the way it works, we decided to play like all the programs online. So all the films are being played on our virtual platform and in the cinema. And on top of that, we have a whole weekend full of panels with industry experts, everything to do with like community building, editing, producing, documentary. So we have an opportunity for filmmakers to join us from abroad who couldn't fly here and then have parties going on in real life. Talk a little bit about the panels because you guys have some exciting people talking on these. Uh, give me some highlights. Yeah, so in our editing panel we have Carol Littleton who edited E.T which is incredible. She's like a legendary editor, and she's joined a, alongside other incredible women. And I'm really, really excited about that panel. It's gonna be incredible just to have her give us some an hour of her time to just discuss her career, which has been incredible. It's really exciting. Yeah, it's like a masterclass in editing, which is so Pretty cool, yeah. and an area where a lot of filmmakers need help. Uh, so 
Uh, tell us going forward, um, where can people find you guys online if they want to know more about the film festival, if there's filmmakers out there who want to submit to you. Uh, tell us how that works and where we can find you. Yeah, so the best way is to just go to our website, which is femalevoicesrock.com, and if you want to submit, you can submit your films through Film Freeway. Or if you have a script, you can submit through coverfly.com. And yeah, we hope to see your work. I'm just really excited to keep growing and to you know, provide more opportunity for female filmmakers. Coming up this summer in June, Brooklyn Film Festival will run from June 2nd to the 11th, and the Tribeca Film Festival will run from June 7th to the 18th. We'll have updates on those festivals and the summer festival season as it approaches. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast and follow us online. Now moving on to some upcoming movie releases. Earlier this month, we reported on some upcoming horror films, and this week we've got more horror movie news for you. Living with Chucky, a new documentary about the Child's Play franchise written and directed by Kira Elise Gardner, takes a look back at the groundbreaking horror saga from Gardner's perspective. She is the daughter of the man who created the special effects for the films, legendary special effects artist Tony Gardner. The documentary takes a look at the making of the franchise as well as its impact on the genre and the horror community. It will feature interviews with Brad Dourif, Jennifer Tilly, Alex Vincent, and Child's Play creator Don Mancini. Living with Chucky will appear on the horror streaming service Screenbox and will be released on digital platforms in the U.S. and Canada on April 4th. In other horror movie news, the latest edition of the Scream franchise, Scream 6, premiered in theaters in March, and we were fortunate enough to get an invite to an early screening from the good folks at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival. Danny Mendez of thecinebuff.com and I attended the screening. Our review is on the website, but for those of you who may have missed it, here's our take on Scream 6. So I'm here with uh, Danny Mendez, who uh, writes reviews for us sometimes. Uh, he is also the man behind Cinebuff.com. Uh, <laughs> you just saw the movie, what did you think? It was exponentially better than the one from 2022, in my opinion. I think most of the characters get their chance to shine because it doesn't really focus on the legacy characters, like the ones from 2022. So this one was a nice change of pace. The characters are pretty fun. The kills are entertaining. I thought it was really thrilling. I, th I found it was more like a thriller than a horror. Like I can I, agree with that. I, I didn't. I didn't think it was like. I didn't find it very scary, but I found it very suspenseful. It feels like a whodunit. Right, which is it's something that the Scream franchise has always done. Mm -hmm. Now I'm not. Uh, I'm the, not the most familiar person with the Scream franchise. Can you give us a little background? Basically, the first one, high school girl Sydney Prescott, one of her friends is murdered, and they think that she might be linked to it because she has a past history of her mom being mentally unstable, her father accused of being a killer as well. So then, basically, the franchise centers around her from one, two, and three. It's Sydney Prescott's movie. From then on, it's about entirely new characters. There's no Sydney Prescott in this movie at all. She was in the previous one, but for a brief moment. Now, this is a non-spoiler review, non-spoiler reaction. We can't say anything. Would you recommend this one? Absolutely. I think this one's a lot of fun, especially if you're in a packed theater like the one we were just in. You're going to get a lot out of it. We had a lot of Scream fans. Yes, a lot of Scream fans. You'll have people clapping, 
They recognize ca certain characters. It's fun, especially if you're a Scream fan. You'll really enjoy it. Yeah, we had some nice appearances from some of the legacy characters in this yes. one. It's a, it is fun. You know, my main problem with Scream is that is like, is it possible to be too meta? You know, like this movie is so. This one is really meta. I like the first one because it's meta, but it's not so in your face about it. The last one and this one, I think it's a little too meta for its own. I don't. It tries to be in on the joke, but it just feels. These people know they're in a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. I like it when it's not going too hard on that. I feel like my biggest problem too is like when these, you know, this grisly murder happens and somebody's best friend or their lover or something like that, and then they, five minutes later, they're making jokes about it. Yeah, it lacks that sort of the stakes, I guess. And then when something bad happens, there's a joke. It, it feels like a, a Marvel movie, I think. Very modern, where there's always a joke. Nothing's really taken seriously. Yeah, something bad happens, undercut it with a joke. Mm-hmm, exactly. Right, yeah, I mean, if you're a Scream fan, I would uh, I would recommend it. I, I think it was a lot of fun. Good performances all the way around. Great performances, I agree with that. Uh, even though you, you mentioned the dialogue is a little clunky in places. Dial yeah, yeah, it's clunky. Script itself, too, very convenient in some points. Yeah, like, well, how did that person end up here? And especially you, when you see the ending, you'll, you'll know it was... Right, we can't give anything away. Um, by the way, uh, shout out and a thanks to the good people at Brooklyn Horror Film Festival who uh, gave us the passes to uh, to come here to the special screening. Um, this was uh, it was a lot of fun though. I, I think that um, I haven't kept up with the franchise. The other thing I uh, like that they did was that I felt like for me, who hadn't seen anything but the first one, mm -hmm. they did a good job of recapping everything. So that you can yeah, come it's in. It's easy to follow along. Yeah. Uh, and um, good, uh, solid beginning. I think the, the beginning with the, um, you know, it, it's got a typical scream beginning. Can't give it any away. But um, it's got some great twists and turns, and it's a lot of fun. I had a great time. I can't complain. It's a I like thrillers like this very early in the year, you know, when there's not, you don't get the big blockbusters and you get something like this. It's a nice. It's a nice evening at the movies. I thought Scream 6 was quite entertaining. There are some genuinely suspenseful sequences in it, but I will say there are a number of plot contrivances that may leave you scratching your head. You might wonder how, who got to be where. There are also instances of people being violently stabbed multiple times only to be seemingly unaffected and able to run around later. In one instance, one of our young heroes is nearly gutted by Ghostface, but is still able to crawl across a ladder between apartment buildings. Another character is stabbed countless times and manages to somehow live in the end. It's shocking when it happens and you say to yourself, oh, I can't believe they killed that guy, but then he lives, which completely undermines the suspense. It feels like people can be stabbed or shot and not die depending on their level of importance to the franchise. Also, our main characters are all young and gorgeous and pretty much remain that way after being stabbed and narrowly surviving harrowing experiences. All these things take me out of the movie. It's like not only do the paramedics arrive at the end, but also the hair and makeup team showed up. All in all, this is a turn your brain off popcorn film. Uh, I did have a good time, especially having seen the film with a bunch of Scream fans. If you don't feel like you need to see this one in the theater, 
definitely catch it on streaming. You don't have to have seen all the films, but you may want to have checked out the previous film just so you get introduced to this new group of characters. I will say it was refreshing to see a real rated R movie in a theater. There's gruesome violence and foul language. It's not watered down PG-13 violence. And I think a lot of films who are going for this type of impact could benefit from that. As for the future of the franchise, I don't know where they go at this point. Uh, the ending gets pretty ridiculous, so I'm not sure how much more over-the-top or meta things can get. But rest assured, it'll be interesting to see what they do in Scream 7. In a dramatic turn, Scream 6's Melissa Barrera stars in the newly released All the World is Sleeping. This time, instead of battling a serial killer, she is a single mom struggling with substance abuse. I caught up with the film's director, Ryan Lason. Tell me about this picture you got, All the World is Sleeping. Can you give me some background? Like, tell me kind of what happens in the movie and how it came to be. Yeah, so the film is, uh, it's about struggle. You know, it's about trying to survive in a world that's just kind of putting you down. And it follows a mother who's also struggling with her addiction while trying to surface for a daughter. But then what happens when her daughter's taken away? Can she fight to be able to get, you know, her daughter back and get herself back on her own feet? And uh, the film came about in kind of an interesting way. Um, I directed a, a movie several years ago, uh, a romantic drama called The Dust Storm. And uh, when that finished up, you know, I was kind of just like waiting for the next movie to happen. You know, I spent years of like pitching this studio, you know, like this type of film, this other studio, a different film. And just, you know, the, the constant, you know, like Hollywood rejections of like, we love this, but uh, not right now. So I was at a point where I was just kind of defeated with not being able to get my second movie made. And uh, I got a call from this producer named Ian Simon and a nonprofit in New Mexico called Bull Futures. And they're a nonprofit that basically they do a uh, um, culture shift work for women and by women of color in New Mexico. And uh, they, they reached out and asked me if I would be interested in coming back to Albuquerque and listening to uh, seven women that have basically fought and continue to fight against addiction and hearing their stories and uh, making a media project off of it. And when they said that, I have no idea what they meant by a media project. But I was like, sure, I'll come back home. You know, an excuse to get back to New Mexico and uh, get some green chili. I'm down. But when I got there, it was definitely um, different than I, I would have expected. You know, I spent months of like being able to uh, hear these women's stories and they, they trusted me with like all their experiences, their lives, you know, like I got to meet a lot of their families and just understand where they came from. And then with their kind of like permission and their trust in me, I went back and they asked me to basically create a script off of their experiences. So I wrote a movie that um, kind of created all their uh, lives into one. And that script became All the World is Sleeping. And when that was done, you know, I brought it back to the, the nonprofit and to the women just to make sure this is, you know, something that like they felt highlighted their voices and that they were excited about getting out into the world. And uh, they loved it. And they decided to like, OK, let's turn this into a film. And then that got the balls rolling and we were able to make a movie. So you've got things like 
Scream 6 and Shazam 2 and you know you, you've got these big blockbuster films what's the why do I need to see this picture in a theater yeah that's I mean honestly that was a big hurdle that we had to even get in it into theaters because it's at a time where like most of the screens are being taken up by Cree 3 and as you mentioned Scream 6 and Shazam 2 so to be able to get like a little indie film that has like this unflinching look at addiction into actual movie theaters was an uphill battle and I think, too, like, I always think of it as there's room in cinema for all genres. You know, that's what it was like for me, like, growing up, going to the theaters. You had these, like, hard-hitting dramas. And I think it's important for those type of films uh, to be seen because it's, you know, in addition to, like, having a, a film that can entertain you, they these type of movies also examine, you know, societal issues and humanity in a way that can be helpful. And like when I when we made this, it was also for the the line of empathy too, because it's I think there's so much judgment going on in the world, you know, especially with the social media, with you know, like uh, online, even too. Like I see it in L.A. You know, there's there's people on the street corners talking to themselves. You know, there's people outside in tents. You know, they're homeless, and I think it's easy for people to like drive by them and to look at people like this and be like, oh, that would never be me. I would never make those choices to get to this point uh, of my life to become this. But All the World Sleeping kind of opens up the curtain to uh, the experiences of, you know, addiction and people that are struggling with it to be like, hey, you know, like we're all a couple steps away from walking in someone else's shoes. So before you, uh, you know, point your finger or place judgment on somebody, let's actually get to know them because, you know, these people are our neighbors, our sisters, our mothers, our friends, and our colleagues. It's, you know, we're all like kind of here together. And this film not only like presents that, but it also has an incredible performance by Melissa in the role of Chama. She gives such a raw, uh, emotional portrayal of this character that, you know, I would just say audiences, go see her in this. She's incredible. Look out for the complete interview with Ryan Lason coming soon. And check your local listings for All the World is Sleeping. And that's all the news we got for you today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including our movie reviews, visit our website, norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit. I'd like to thank Catherine Delaloy, James Oxford, Danny Mendez, and Ryan Lason. And, of course, our sponsor, JMR Rentals. For Behind the Rabbit Productions, I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.